and i would like to turn your attention to that book to that passage thank you philip for reading that portion of scripture and we were looking at a couple of things from chapter 3 and we will be continuing to look at uh, continuing to turn our focus on to first corinthians in chapter 3 i hope you remember what was the last thing that we spoke about when we studied the word of god together can anybody tell me sorry yeah we were looking at first corinthians chapter 3 which is talking about the different aspects of the church of god and in that last time we looked at the three kinds of people that are there in the church do you remember right in every church of god at every point of time wherever you go to these three groups of people are there in every church number 1 we saw that the scriptures clearly teach to us that in the church of god there are those who are called as the unregenerate what do i simply mean by that are those who are unbelievers there are many unbelievers in the church of god there are so many people today in christian churches who have fooled themselves into thinking that they are the children of god probably because they are involved in a lot of activities they think that they are doing okay probably because we think that as long as i attend church as long as i go for the cell group as long as i stand up and testify in church i might be doing okay in my spiritual life you know the spirit of god nearly uh, clearly needs to convict us to understand where our relationship stands with the lord jesus christ and then secondly we saw that there are those who are worldly in their approach in their relationship towards god there are those who are worldly there are those in the church of god who quarrel who fight who are not able to go along with each other when the focus of the church is going in one direction there are those who are worldly who are not trying to build up but rather are trying to destroy and pull it down and then we close last time sermon by saying all of us should move on to christian maturity the third group of people there is nobody in the church who can stand and say i am a mature christian but there are all of us who can say i am growing into maturity every single day the moment you and i begin to feel that we are mature in the lord the moment you and i start to point fingers at our own self that is pride that is arrogance but rather with humility we should say i am a christian with a lot of flaws but every single day of my life i am growing into christian maturity now in every church of god i want to remind you again in the light of the scriptures there are those who are unbelievers those who are worldly and those who are growing into christian maturity my hope and my prayer the last time when we meditated at the word of god together is that all of us would examine where our christian life is actually those of us who are unbelievers would understand in the light of the scriptures that we need to receive the lord jesus into our personal life and become believers in the lord those of us who are worldly we need to change the way we think our pattern of living we need to stop making complaints we need to stop pointing fingers and all of us together as a church from worldly ambitions move on to christian maturity that is my prayer that should be the desire of calvary bible fellowship today now having looked at the people that are there in the church of god today we are going to look at the ministry of the church of god that was the verses that philip had read from first corinthians chapter 3 from verses 3 on to verse 7 the ministry of the church of god remember the people of god and today we are looking at the ministry of the church of god now let me ask you an important question in the light of the passage that we read today who are the people who are doing the ministry in the church of god 
Who are the people who are doing the ministry in the church of God? In the light of what we spoke last time, it is the unbelievers, it is the worldly Christians and it is the mature believers. On this context, that is what the scripture says. It is the unbelievers, it is the worldly Christian and it is the mature Christian. All of them joined together are involved in the ministry of God. And what is the result of that? We read that verse. Can we just read that again? Chapter 3 and verse 3. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Now, do we understand why many times our ministry does not take one step forward? Now, do we understand why sometimes our ministry does not face success? Now do we understand why when we go out in ministry as a church, we face with a lot of roadblock? Because in the church there is the unbeliever, there is the worldly Christian and then there is the mature Christian. There is a lot of struggle that goes on in any church, in any part of this world. Because the unbeliever wants to have his or her way. There is the worldly Christian who has his or her opinion. And then there is the mature Christian who is trying to make sense of this all. Trying to pull it together. And do the ministry of the Lord. Am I making sense? Yes or no? That's what's happening in the world today. That's exactly what's happening in the world today. There might be a few honest Christians in the church of God. Who desire to do the ministry. But there are unbelievers. There are worldly Christians. And together that is the problem that the ministry of God faces at any point of time. In Christendom. Now let me pause for a moment and let me ask you a question because I'm sure some of you might be confused. Is it possible for these three groups of people to be involved in ministry? Is it possible for an unbeliever to be involved in ministry thinking that they are a child of God? Is it possible for a worldly Christian to be involved in the ministry of the church? Is it possible for a mature Christian? Let me give you the example about the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And can you tell me, out of the 12 disciples, who was the unbeliever? I can't hear you. It was Judas. Was he a believer? But did he do the ministry of the Lord? For how many years did he do the ministry? With whom did he do the ministry? He heard. Did he hear the messages that came from the Lord Jesus? Yes or no? Did he attend the gospel meetings? Yes or no? Did he pray before they went out for outreach? Yes or no? But was he saved? Yes or no? It is, it is possible for someone to fool themselves into thinking that they are a child of God and yet be involved in the ministry of God. It is possible. It is very much possible. Because Judas himself actually did that. You know in John's gospel chapter 12 verse, uh, verse 5. If you turn to that passage. There Judas himself talks about that unbelief that he has. He says oh why was this perfume wasted? Why was it broken? Why was it wasted? Why was this not sold? And why was the money not used to help the poor? And in the next line it says, Judas said so not because he cared for the poor, but as the keeper for the money, many a times his, pocket, his hand would go inside that money and he would use it for himself. So much so that towards the end of the ministry and the life of the Lord Jesus, he told the, he told the soldiers, you wait and the one that I will kiss is the son of man. And when he went and kissed Jesus on his face, all that Jesus could do was look at him and say, oh do you betray me, the son of man with a kiss. Brothers and sisters, I want to give all of us a warning. You know, let ministry not be a tool for us to think that everything is alright in our spiritual life. Many a times, that will not be the case. 
Just because I go out and share the gospel, just because I'm actively involved in the church, it is important, it is necessary. We go back home every single day and we examine our spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus. Because at the end of the day, we should not end up like Judas Iscariot. Number two, worldly Christians. Is it possible for worldly Christians to be involved in ministry? It is indeed possible. Again, let's talk about the example of the disciples. In the Gospel of Mark chapter 6 verse 37, don't turn there. That's the story about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And when Jesus preached to the 5,000 people, when he proclaimed the word of God to them, at the end, when it was evening time, everyone became hungry. And when everyone was starving, the disciples, with their worldly thinking, they said, Jesus, why don't you stop preaching for a while? Why don't you send them to the town so that they can eat, be refreshed and come? And what did Jesus tell them to do? What did Jesus tell them to do? Sorry? He said, you can feed them. Who is he telling it to? He's telling it to born again believers. You can feed them. And then there is this one disciple in another gospel. It is John the disciple who says, Jesus ate months Wages would be required to feed the 5,000. Eight months wages would be required to feed the 5,000. Don't we as Christians many times say the same thing? When we talk about ministry in the church. Yes or no? Whether you admit it or not, that is the actual fact. Many times when we talk about ministry, there are a lot of opinions you and I have. No, if you do this, that is not possible. If you do this, this is not possible. We need eight months of wages, Jesus. And Jesus does not listen to them. He says, what do you have? He says, we have only five loaves, two fishes. And with five loaves and two fishes, he fed the 5,000. How many baskets did they collect at the end? They collected 12. I'm thinking probably one basket for each of the disciples to remind them. Never doubt in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is possible for a worldly Christian to be involved in ministry. You know, when we come for ministry, when you and I bring our own ambitions, when you and I bring our own thoughts, when you and I bring our own ideas, when you and I think it is not possible, that's when we act like worldly Christians. But when we go out in the strength and the power of the Lord Jesus, when we do not doubt the foes of Satan, when we do not look at the face of man, when we do not worry about anything else but go in the name of the Lord Jesus, that's when from worldly ambition we move on to becoming a mature Christian in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just turn your attention to the gospel of Matthew chapter 7 verse 22. And let me give you one more example about people who are not believers or people who are worldly Christians. People who who think that they are a part of the kingdom of God, doing the ministry of God. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22. Look at what the word of God says. Matthew chapter 7 verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. My brothers and sisters, look at the warning in the scriptures. Many will come in the name of the Lord Jesus. It will be possible for many to do miraculous things. It will be possible in the name of the Lord Jesus to drive out demons. But at the end, at the judgment day of the Lord, the Lord will look at all of these people and the Lord will say, I don't know who you are. You know, the Lord will use every situation and circumstance to bring sinners to the Lord Jesus. He does not require you. He does not require me. He knows how to share the gospel. If you were to keep quiet in praising God, the Bible very clearly states, the rocks will open their mouths and they will praise God. God does not require you and me to do ministry. 
but it is important and very necessary that you and i understand our spiritual standing with the lord before we think of doing the ministry of the lord jesus christ many will come in the name of the lord many will do so many things but at the end jesus will look at them and he will say i don't know you so what is the secret what is the success how is it that you and i can do the ministry of the lord same chapter matthew chapter 7 verse 21 Look at Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. Not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven. There is the answer. How is it that you and I are supposed to be in ministry? It is by doing the will of the father in heaven. It is by doing all that God wants us to do in accordance to the will of the father in heaven. The moment you and I try to do our own will, the moment you and I try to do our things are by our own standard, that's when we fail. That's when we fall. But it says he who does the will of my father, that person I actually know. So that's what I want to talk to us this morning in the next few minutes is what is the will of God in my ministry? What is the will of God in my ministry? From 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and the verses that we read. What is the will of God in my ministry? But before I go to that, I want to make something very clear to all of us who are listening. When I'm talking about ministry, I'm not talking about full-time evangelists. I'm not talking about outreach program. I'm not talking about the Kadesh ministry that we are doing. I'm not talking about specific certain ministries. When I'm talking about ministry, I'm talking about Christian life in general. You understand what I'm saying? because we who are born again believers we are not ministers of god only on certain dates at certain time we are ministers of god 24 louder 24 that's who i'm talking to this morning from the in the light of the scriptures when i'm talking about ministry i want you to think that you are a christian 24/7 you are in ministry 24/7 yesterday all of us who came for the men's meeting jochan made a clear statement he said at work you cannot be some person and at church you cannot be at some person no at all point of time either at work in school in college in ministry we are all one and the same we ought to be one and the same we are all in the ministry of god anything less than that is called hypocrisy anything less than that is called a man and a woman who does not have any integrity anything less than that the bible calls less than the standard of god is called as sin What is God's will in my ministry as a Christian 24/7? Number 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Number 1, listen very carefully to me. God's will in my ministry in Calvary Bible Fellowship is that I will not be a pleaser of men. I will not be a pleaser of men. You look at what chapter 3 and verse 4 very clearly states. For for when one says I follow Paul and another I follow Apollos are you not mere men this was a problem with the Corinth church their focus was not god but rather it was man their focus was not only man but it was in the ability and the talents of man there was groupism in the church because some people preferred paul's teachings some people preferred the way apollos did things some people preferred a lot of other things they were not following the the things of god but they were rather following the things of man you look at chapter 1 also in chapter 1 verses 12 what i mean is this one of you says i follow paul another i follow apollos another i follow kephas still another i follow christ it's because you and i slowly 
from heavenward we have turned our gaze and we've made it earthward from god we've turned our face to man and many a times in our ministry many a times in our christian lives you and i without knowing or not have become men pleasers we have become people who want to please men we have become people who want to please everybody else in this world i'm not bothered about what god thinks i think what about my boss thinks i think what about my earthly leaders thinks and then when it is situation is favorable i only then think about what my bo- my my boss in heaven thinks are we men pleasers do we do what we do in our christian lives do we live how we live in our christian lives because we are ready to please men Isn't that the reason why in my office in my college in my school in some point of time I am someone else but when I come to church I am someone else yes or no it's because here I'm trying to please certain people I am a man pleaser I will do certain things I will say certain things I will behave in a certain way but when I come to church I put on a mask that's because unknowingly or knowingly the last so many months or years as a minister of god i have pleased man and i have failed to please god you know when you look to the scriptures very clearly god says that he hates people who want to please other people in this world he hates it isn't that what we studied at camp isn't that what we study when god says that you should love me how does he say that we should love him we should love him with we should love him with all of our heart with all of our soul and all of our mind or our strength in that love that we have for god nobody else comes into that place that first i will always listen to god then only i will look at the face of man can we just read a couple of verses in connection to this can somebody read for me galatians chapter 1 verses 10 quickly galatians chapter 1 and verses 10 If I am a person a minister of God who is trying to please man I am not called a servant of God I am not called a servant of God It is impossible for me to please man and having pleased man pleasing God that is impossible the scriptures very clearly state that What if you and I were to go through a tough situation in life What if you and I were required to give an answer for the testimony of our faith would we please men would we say whatever we have to say so that man will be happy he will not hurt me can we just read acts chapter 5 and verse 29 acts chapter 5 and verse 29 aha uh-huh. okay yeah you know what this passage is talking about is talking about the authorities who manhandled the apostles who took them to the side and he said we are letting you go now but we are telling you we are letting you go off with a strict warning when you go don't do this again and what is it that the apostles say they say you know what my dear friend it is much more better that we obey god than we obey man it is much more better that i obey god than i obey man can we read one more verse john's gospel chapter 12 and verse 43 John's Gospel chapter 12 and verse 43 You know it's talking about the Israelites it's talking about the Pharisees it's talking about the leaders who were there at that time 
And you know what was the problem? You know why they were living such hypocritical life? You know why they were living such hypocritical life? It's because they desired more of the praises of men rather than the praises of God. They looked more for the praises of men than the praises of God. They looked more for the attention that came from men rather than the praises that came from God. As in, and isn't it true that many a times in my life that I have pleased a lot of people rather than pleasing God? Again, think of ministry. Think of your life as a Christian 24-7. Many a times, how many, how, how many times in my Christian life have I bowed down to an earthly king? That I have said yes to my earthly boss. That I am terrified of the fact of what my earthly per, uh, boss tells me rather than what my God actually tells me. You know, the moment you and I are make, willing to make a stand, it would actually mean I would have to make a tough decision sometime in my life. Probably it would mean you and I have, having to go against evil men. Or probably it would also mean that you and I would have to stand alone. But are we willing to please men in this world and then one day stand in the judgment seat of Christ and give him an account of all the men that we have pleased? Or rather would I be willing to stand in the presence of God and say, God, I have never bowed down to any other idol in this world other than the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I was just thinking, uh, if, if, if Daniel was a man pleaser, he could have avoided the, he could have avoided the, the den. If Joseph was a, a woman pleaser, a man pleaser, he could have avoided the, the prison. If Jesus was a, a pleaser of men, he could have avoided the cross. But for many a times when you and I are willing to stand against the forces of this dark world, you and I would have to fall into the den of the lions. You and I would have to be in prison. You and I would have to go through things in life for the wrongs that we have never done. But ultimately, like the Lord Jesus, my prayer, my encouragement to us as a church is like the Lord Jesus Christ. We would say, Lord, this is what my earthly flesh desires, yet not my will, but yours be done in my life. Am I a pleaser of men? Number two, you know why I'm a pleaser of man? It's simply because when you think about it, you and I actually fear man. Isn't that true? You and I actually fear men. That's the reason why we are men pleasers. I'm afraid of what my boss will do to me. I'm afraid about what my earthly friends will say to me. I'm afraid about the number of fingers that are going to be pointed against me. Isn't that so? Isn't that the reason why you and I don't want to please God, but rather we want to please man? I am afraid. I am actually very much afraid. In Romans chapter 8 verse 28 when it says that we know that all things happen for the good of those who love the Lord. When we know that the scripture says that we've been called, predestined, glorified, sanctified. Then it there it comes a little more down it says because we belong to the Lord what can man do against me? What can man do to against me? Worst comes to worst if I stand for what I have to stand for at my work I might lose my job. That's okay. I might have to starve, that's okay. I might have to be houseless, penniless, that's okay. I might not have any friends, that's okay. Doesn't the Bible say you should not fear the one who can hurt your flesh, but rather fear the one who can judge or take away your, your soul? Isn't it true that many times as Christians, you and I have forgotten to fear and please God rather than pleasing men in this world. 
Why is it that you and I many times fail in our ministry, in our Christian life 24-7? Why is it that many times you and I fail to share the gospel? Or as we men discussed yesterday, why is it that we proclaim that we are not ashamed of the gospel, but many times the gospel is ashamed of me? Why? Simply because I've pleased men rather than pleasing God. Remember the topic that we are talking about? Finding out God's will in my life. What is God's will in my life? That I would not please man. I would not be afraid of what men can actually do. No matter what man will say. No matter what my friend will say. I will still be willing to follow the Lord Jesus. No matter how hard it may be. How difficult it will be. I will not make excuses for it. But I will follow God. I just want to read Romans chapter 12. We know verses 2 very well. But just for our benefit in the light of what we are talking about. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. There it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, His perfect will. That is how I understand God's will. For my life in my ministry. As a Christian 24-7. How? By the transforming of my mind. By not walking in accordance to the pattern of this world. Because in accordance to the pattern of this world. They will bow down to earthly kings. They will bow down to their earthly boss. They will say and do all that they can do. Just to make you happy. But I am willing to step on toes. In the truth of the gospel. I am willing to say what I have to say. To do what I have to do. To go against the current. Go against the wave. Even if everybody in my church thinks so. But in the light of the scriptures. If I think it is wrong. If I am the only one. I will stand and I will say that it is wrong. For me white is white. Black is black. There is no gray area. And that is how I live as a Christian. As a minister of the Lord Jesus. That is how I begin to understand what is his will. His good. His perfect. His pleasing will. How many times have you and I become men pleasers in our Christian life? How many times have you and I said yes? We've bowed down to a foreign idol. God absolutely detests idolatry and men pleasers. Number two, not only will I make the decision that I would be, that I would make this decision that I would not become A man pleaser. But number two, I would always remind myself that I am a servant of God. That I would always remind myself that I am a servant of God. Come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's read a couple of verses. Look at verses 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Sorry, and verses 5. Look at what it says. What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. We are only the servants of the Lord. Let's also read chapter 4 and verse 1. Can somebody read chapter 4 and verse 1? You know, in our ministry, in our Christian life, as a minister of the Lord 24-7, I will always remind myself that I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a servant of God. Chapter 4 verse 1, Let the men of this world consider you and me to be servants of God, those entrusted with the secret things of God, which is the gospel. Which is the gospel. And you know what? The best example for us is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In the gospel of Mark chapter 10 verse 45, there it says, The Son of Man came not to be, louder, came not to be, but to, and to give his, as a, 
as a ransom for many what does it mean to be called a servant of god a servant of god is not necessarily the pulpit ministry the servant of god the servant of a servant of god not necessarily thinks about standing here up in the front so that everybody can see a servant of god is someone who desires to stand away from the limelight to stand at the back of the hall a servant of god is someone who many a times would be forgotten someone who will not be remembered when there is the applause in the frontier maybe a servant of god is someone whose name will not be mentioned maybe whatever he or she is doing in the church will not be recognized but that is not what bothers the servant of god you understand what i'm saying and do we have the desire as a christian when we live our christian lives 24/7 in this world when you come to the book of Joshua and when the story of Joshua comes to an end all of us know that Joshua was the general of the army of the people of Israel but when he comes to the end of his life and before he died the testimony that God gives about him if you check it says Joshua a servant of God not an army general not the guy who's remembered for all the great battles that he fought not the guy who took those strong decisions who held on to that leadership when Moses passed away he is not remembered for those things but he is remembered as a servant of god ever wonder why because towards the end of his life when people started to weigh in their relationship towards god you know what joshua said joshua said you might decide today that you might follow the gods beyond that river or the gods of this age but as for me and my house we will louder church we will as a church we will serve the lord he says he taught his wife he taught his children it was a lesson in his life that first of all we will serve the lord that's why at the end of his life the holy scriptures the spirit of god says joshua a general in the army of god he was a man who fought the great battles but he is best known as a servant of god a servant of god a servant of god does not look at the limelight he does not look at the accolades he does not she does not look at the applause A servant of God is someone who walks into God's church, who walks into the presence of God, who understands what the need is in the church and is ready to provide that need. You get what I'm saying? A servant of God is not someone who comes into church and waits for somebody to tell them what needs to be done. Because there are so many of us who are like that. I will not do anything in the church till someone tells me what to do. but a servant of god is someone who comes into the comes into god's church and he sees the need she senses the need and she does what is the needful if there is someone in church that needs to be visited counseled mentored shepherded taught from the word of god i will not wait for somebody to tell me that but according to my calling and my gifting in the church i will do by the leadership and the guidance of the elders of the church i will not wait for someone to tell me what needs to be done If I walk into church on a Sunday morning and I see that it's dirty, I will pick up a broom. I will not wait for that appropriate person to come and broom it. No, but I will do it. I will offer my seat. I will find out that if everybody in church is comfortable here. If somebody doesn't come as a servant, whether I preach or not, I will finish the worship and find out why the person didn't come. Because that is what a servant desires. Is that not what Jesus did? Yes or no? Did he always look at the limelight? No. There were moments when he did preach but there were moments when he sat in the house and he had a meal with them. There were moments when he did miraculous things and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people saw but there were times that he went under the roof of somebody's house sat with them 
and probably understood the com- and had compassion when he saw that they were struggling that is who an actual servant is a servant of god is someone who sees the need and does the needful and does not wait for somebody to come and tell them what needs to be done you know many times many things that we do in church many times we might feel that it is a menial job i confess many times i felt like that many times i felt when i do certain things and when i don't get the praise of men i sometimes stop and i question and i ask myself what is the point in doing it many times i often feel in my earthly flesh in my sinful life many times i feel when i do anything certain things i feel every time i need an applause i need someone to pat my back and probably as a brother or a sister probably that would have been a discouragement to you probably you felt nobody notices but my brother my sister i might not notice you might not notice but there is someone who knows and the bible very clearly states maybe here you and i would not get the recognition but one day in the presence of all the saints he will tell everybody what you have done for him let that be an encouragement to us can we just read matthew chapter 10 and verse 42 matthew chapter 10 and verse 42 matthew chapter 10 and verse 42 Yeah, read. You know, that's what I was talking about. Ministry necessarily does not mean sharing the gospel, preaching from the pulpit and all that kind of stuff. It is giving a glass of water in the name of the Lord. Can I ask you an honest question? How many of us are willing to give a glass of water? Raise your hand. Wow. How many of us are willing to give a glass of water? Raise your hand. I can't see it. John? How many of us are willing to give a glass? Sorry, I just picked your name just so. That does not require a special calling. None of us are called specifically to give glasses of water. But it says, if you give a glass of water in my name, what does that mean? You know the person is thirsty. Maybe the person is thirsty physically. Maybe the person is thirsty spiritually. But I see the need and I provide that need. And when I provide that need, the Bible clearly states, surely you will receive the reward for it. Maybe all of us are not maybe all of us are not called to stand here up in the front and minister for the Lord. But I want to remind all of us that we are all not called maybe to stand at the back also and minister. That also receives a lot of grace, a lot of humility and a lot of compassion. And can I encourage all of us to be involved in the ministry of the Lord Jesus 24/7 to be a Christian at all points of time and always remind ourselves that my Lord Jesus came here not to be served my Lord Jesus even though he could have come and demanded it but he first served when he saw his disciples and himself walking into the house with dirty feet he did not wait and ask somebody to do it he saw a basin he saw a towel he tied it around his waist he filled it with water he went down on his knees and he washed their feet and that is what ministry actually means that is what ministry actually means it's beyond things that are there in the front it's those things that are there at the back the small small things that you and i don't recognize are we willing to do that the minister of god is that who sees the need and does the needful and does not wait for someone to tell him or tell her what needs to be done in church number 1 i will not be a pleaser of man 
Number two, I will always remind myself that I am a servant of God. Number three, I will always wait on the Lord for growth. I will always wait on the Lord for growth. Can we just turn back? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's just read verses 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 6. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Look at verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Why do you and I involve in the ministry of God? Is it for our results? No. The results is not our focus. The result on this earth is not our focus. But we are doing the ministry of the Lord simply because that is what God has called us to do. To live our lives. And we are not going to wait or look for the end result. We are going to wait on the Lord to make it grow. No matter what kind of ministry we are doing in our life. Let me ask you a question. If God is the one who makes it grow, who gets the credit? Okay, let me try that out again. If God is the one who makes things grow, who gets the credit? If God is the one who makes it grow, who gets the credit? So every single day when I do ministry, who should be my focus? Everything that I do in my life at the end of my day, who should I give thanks to? Even when I fail, even when I fall, even with my weaknesses, I come back into the presence of God at the end of the day and I say, Lord, with a little ounce of strength that I had, whatever you enabled me to do, I want to say, Thank you. I just want to tell you, thank you God. God gets the credit of everything that happens in our life. Because God is the one who makes it grow. Probably in your ministry as a Christian, you've been praying for someone to come to the Lord. Probably it's been years. It's okay. You wait and allow the Lord to make it grow. Probably you're shepherding, mentoring, you're talking to someone with the word of God. Probably you and I don't see visible changes. It's okay. Let's wait. For the Lord to allow, make it grow. And at the end of it, when God allows it to grow, who gets the credit? God. I will always give due credit to God to everything that happens in my life. I did all that I can do simply because of the grace that comes from the Lord. It's nothing because of what I can do. Number two, because God makes him grow, we are not competing with each other, but rather we are complementing each other. We are not competing with each other. We complement each other. You remember 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 onwards. That was the problem in the church. I don't want you to grow. I want to do it. I want that place. I want that authority. I want people to know me. And they were competing with each other. Let's follow Paul. Let's follow Apollos. Let's call this guy. Let's do what he's telling us to do. No. I don't want to compete with you in the church, my dear brother and sister. But I want to compliment you in the ministry of God. It is very easy for us all to discourage each other. Can we, for a change... Learn to start encouraging what somebody else is trying to do in church. It's very easy for us to discourage. We can come back and we can say, no, not possible. But at least when somebody has a desire, has a plan to do something for the Lord, can we encourage that brother and say, I'm with you. I want to do what you're doing. I want to help you. In whatever way you want me to do financially, you want me to sit at home and pray for you. You want me to talk to you every week and find out how you are growing in the Lord. I'm willing to do that. Can we for one stop competing with each other? And can we learn to complement each other in the ministry of the Lord? I need help in my, in my Christian spiritual life. And God has sent you to church to help me grow spiritually. That is the same reason why God has sent me also. And when God will make things grow, George, I reminded this to us yesterday. In our workplace, 
in our school life in our college the only thing that god requires for me to do is become faithful that's all that god requires for me to do god does not require anything else of me as a born again believer as a christian 24/7 god is not looking at my end result god is definitely if you've thought of that let me remind you at the judgment seat of christ god will not take you by the name he will not open the books and say okay how many people did you bring to the lord jesus you brought 10 stand here at the side no he's never going to do that the only question god is going to ask you is have you been faithful have you been faithful jobin to what i have called you at calvary bible fellowship whatever i entrusted you to do that small detail but have you been faithful in doing that or were you burdened by the guilt of sin were you burdened by your own flaws were you often looking at other people were you often worried about what other people thought of you have you pleased man in your ministry and as a result of which would you and i stand in the presence of god and would we hold our head down in in shame if you just turn with me to second timothy in chapter 2 in second timothy in chapter 2 there is a verse that says very clearly over here second timothy chapter 2 and verse 6 the hard working farmer should be the first to receive a, f- a share of the crops the hard working farmer should be the first to receive the share of the crops the attitude that is mentioned here by apostle paul is the attitude of faithfulness because think of a farmer a farmer it is very easy to put the crops to put the manure to put the water it is easy he does not have to pay for the sun that allows the crops to grow but it is difficult for him to wait it is difficult for him to come to his field every single day and long to see that seed germinate and grow and it is that hard working farmer who is patient and faithful in all that god has asked him to do that will receive the first share of the crops that is why apostle paul in second timothy 4 verse 7 and 8 he says i have fought the good fight i have finished the race and i have kept the that is talking about a farmer i have been faithful in all that god has asked me to do everything that god has asked me to do i will do it i will do it no matter what no matter if people say we it can't be done that's okay at least i will try and fail and understand from my mistakes but i will not be willing to please man I've had it that man has tried to put fear in my heart. I am willing to stand against God even if it is in my workplace and if my boss tells me to do something that I'm not supposed to do, I am willing to look at his face and him say, "I'm sorry. I'm a Christian. I can't do it." Because like Joseph said, he says, "If I sin against you, I'm not sinning against my own flesh, but I rather sinning against I'm worried about what God thinks of me." I will always consider myself to be a servant. I will see the need of the church and I will do the needful. I will not wait for somebody to tell me what is the need that needs to be supplied. And I will always wait, always wait for the Lord to allow it to grow. Till that day, I will be faithful to whatever God has called me to do. All of us are Christians called into ministry to be a minister of god 24/7 how can you and i do this as we live in our earthly life in our flesh how can you do and i do it when we are reminded of our sin when we are lazy when we are not bothered about the things of christ how can you and i do these kind of things 
I just want to close with this verse that Benji Chan read. And I think that's a beautiful verse that he brought out in worship. Can you read the verse along with me? And let this verse be your prayer. In Colossians chapter 2. Yes, my dear friend, my dear brother, my sister, it is impossible. It is impossible for us to do it. And if you feel that it is very difficult, you feel weary and tired, can I make you turn your attention to the cross? Because it was on that cross, all our flaws, all our sins, our shortcomings. And what does the verse say? It says Jesus took it and he, he nailed it. He made a public spectacle of it on the cross. Can we just read that verse together? Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13, 14 and 15. Can we read it together? When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authority, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. We sang that song today for worship. It says, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Still my trophies at last I, I lay down. I will cling to this old rugged cross and one day I will exchange it for a crown. It's not because I can do it but simply because I can do all things through Christ who gives me that strength. Can we all close our eyes and bow our heads in prayer? My dear friend, my dear brother, my dear sister, have you come into God's presence today acknowledging the fact that you have been doing the things of God and probably, probably you've been living far away from God. Can I encourage you to think about your Christian life? Can I encourage you to think about your walk with the Lord? If you are not a child of God, would you take that moment and look at the cross? Remember that Jesus died for your sins and accept the Lord Jesus into your life. My dear friend, my brothers and sisters, those of us who call ourselves the children of God, Have we been walking continually with the Lord? Or have we gone off track and walked according to the pattern of this world? How many men have we pleased in this world? God hates it when there is any other idol in my relationship other than you. Does my earthly boss frighten me? Do my earthly friends strike fear in my heart? Have I done and said and behaved in ways so that I could please my friends? And thus not pleased God. Can we make that decision to resurrender our life and say, Lord, as long as you'll give me life and breath, I will always look forward to pleasing you. Lord, I will always remind myself to be a servant of God. I will not be looking at the pulpit. I will not look at the front. I will not look at the limelight. I'm willing to be a servant, to serve in whatever capacity. And Lord, I will be faithful and wait for you to make things grow. Things even in my own spiritual life. Maybe things in the life of people that I'm actually seeing. Can we be faithful farmers? No matter how difficult our situation, our timing would be. No matter what we might be going through. Lord, I will be faithful. You are allowing me to go through an experience of the desert. I will be faithful. In my marriage, I will be faithful. As a single, I will be faithful. To what God has entrusted me in Calvary Bible Fellowship. To what the elders have entrusted me to do. I will be faithful, Lord. I might not see the fruits. I'm not going to focus on the fruits. I'm just going to wait on you to make it grow. 
I would like to pray and close for us but before I do I want to give you a few seconds to pray whatever is there in your heart and to make things right with God Dear Lord Jesus we come into your presence acknowledging the fact that we are weak we are we are human beings full of flaws we have a lot of shortcomings father but we we look to the cross and we cling to that old rugged cross we cling to that cross till my trophies i will lay down and as i live in this world and as we as a church live in this world father i pray we pray we will cherish the old rugged cross and one day when we stand in your presence you will never count us to be unworthy you will give us the crown and we will throw it at your feet because that is all that we can do if there are my friends you who have not yet met you father i pray that they would meet you as their personal lord and for all of us who are children of god lord enable us to remember that we are ministers of god 24/7 we are a christian monday to sunday irrespective of what man will say and look at me that i will always be a christian whether it is at my workplace at my school at my college in my marriage as a single in my responsibilities in my church i will be faithful bless this day to us if you're coming tarries bless the week till we meet again together to worship and remember your word thank you father all of this we ask in the name of our soon coming lord and our savior jesus christ